0: And if you tell them that, they'll they'll get it figured out. Pastor Luke is away, so you guys are stuck with me today. Um, and I know that I'm just going to address the elephant in the room immediately. I already know what everybody's thinking, all right? Everybody's thinking, wow, this guy's not nearly as well-dressed as Pastor Luke. So <laughs> forgive me. Um, once I make it to pastor's, pastor's spiritual level, then maybe I'll be able to dress as nice as he is. As he does, but for those of you who don't know, I'm not the pastor of this church. Okay, um, I'm just I'm just a guy. Um, but Pastor Luke, I've got I've got tremendous respect. Let me say something before I move into my message. I got tremendous respect for Pastor Luke, and it's it's interesting because the more I get to know Pastor, the the more respect I develop for him. Okay, and the thing is that it's it's not that way for everyone. You know, like a lot of times you get to know people better. Especially people in leadership positions. Okay, you see them in their leadership position, and you say, "Wow, this is a great person. This person's awesome." And then you get to know them, and you you see their flaws, you know. And then once you begin to see their flaws, you might lose some respect for him for the person. But um, in the seven or so years that I've known Pastor, I've only grown in the amount of respect that I have for him. Okay, he's earned more and more of my respect. And I'm not saying that he f- he's flawless. What I'm saying is that we've got good pastors here at Maranatha Church. I hope that you know that. So. I'm honored to stand behind this pulpit, and I feel like every time I get up here, I feel like I'm standing in the shoes of a giant, and then I just, <laughs> I get real nervous all of a sudden, you know? So so with that, I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to get into the message. So Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your guidance, and Lord, I ask that you help us. Help us to focus on your word, Lord. Like Miss Susie this morning, help us to put aside distractions that might try to invade our minds, Lord, and help us to set our minds on you, Lord. Help me to preach the message that you have for for our church today, Lord. Help me to get out of the way of what it is that you would want to say to our church this morning, Church. Uh, Lord. So thank you, in Jesus' name. All right, I have a question for you. I actually have two questions for you, church. Has anyone ever found themselves thinking about something that had very little to do with the moment that you're in? Okay, some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do after service today. Um, but like there's been times that I've, I've been having a conversation with somebody and then I'll find myself suddenly remembering something that I need to do and then there's a shift because my body is in one place and then my mind is in another place, okay? So, and then, oh, now some of you guys are like, well, I'm not going to have a conversation with you anymore. But the thing is that sometimes our mind is in a different place than where our body is, you know? Like, sometimes I'll be driving and then I'll realize that for the last 10 minutes or, or so, I was thinking so intently about something that I won't remember the path that I've taken to get to where I was. I'm, I hope that I'm probably not the only one in that boat, I would imagine. Like, I i mean, I'm in the right place. I'm in the place that I need to be. I just don't remember the turns that I took to get there, you know. Um, I, w- I mean, my mind is so engrossed in something that uh, I'm not actually focusing on, on what's at hand or what's right in front of me. Either that or I'll, like, my intention is to drive home and I'll just end up at the church. And I'll just, I'll think to myself, "I did this is not my goal. But I was thinking so intently about something that I just sort of ended up here. Um Did you know that sometimes church people, people who are in church, they think about things other than the message and what's going on? I know that that doesn't happen here, but I hear that that happens out there at other churches, you know. It's interesting, and it it shouldn't be that way, I think. We should be engaged in the thing that's right in front of us, I think. All right, let me ask you this. Have you ever spent so much time thinking about something that you struggle to redirect your thoughts? Like, there's been, I do construction, okay, and there's been weeks that we work really long weeks and whenever we work these really long weeks, I find myself thinking about work when I'm not at work. It's like I'm having dreams about work, and I don't <laughs> it's like borderline nightmares because I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to think about working. I want to, I want to redirect my thoughts to something else. And it gets to the point where, when I'm doing my, 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 my like my personal devotions in the morning, I will find myself thinking about the job site that I'm about to go to, and I have to like reel my mind back in and know I'm in my Bible time right now. I'm not in work time. Work that'll be coming. But I find that when I think so much about one thing, it's hard to pull my mind away from that one thing, you know? Now, I think that there's a certain principle at work here, and it's something that I want to address this morning. And the, the thing is that the direction that our minds take is actually very important. According to scripture, Jesus actually said that, he said that you don't actually have to go through the act of adultery to commit it. All you need to do is think about it, and you've entered the place of sin. That's a big deal because that means that our thoughts are important. The place that our mind goes is important. So like I said, church, there's a, there's a certain principle here. And we're going to look at the book of Joshua to to op- unpack this a bit more. In Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read the first nine verses, but I want to give a little bit of um, just context as far as who Joshua is and what's going on in, in the context of this passage here Um What's happening is that Josh is that God is giving Joshua parameters for leadership, okay? So Joshua is inheriting the leadership and the calling of Moses, and he's leading the nation of Israel which originally started out of Egypt, which is where Moses began, and into the the promised land that uh, of the original promise that God gave to Abraham. Joshua is following through with the promise, okay? So he Joshua is inheriting the the leadership that Moses um, just had, okay? So that's the, the the direction that we're going here with this passage this morning. Joshua is just stepping into leadership. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says, after the death of, sorry, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read verse 1 through 9, it says, after the death, death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them, their ancestors being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in verse 7 it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Okay, so let's think about some of this in in context of what's really going on here. Joshua is inheriting the position of leadership that's arguably one of the most important in the Old Testament. And the reason for that is because there are two climactic events in the Old Testament that almost the entire Old Testament revolves around. That's the exodus and the exile. Okay? So the exodus is really not just the exodus, but it's also the entrance, okay? They're exiting and they're also entering into the promised land. And Joshua is inheriting a position of leadership during one of the most climactic events in the Old Testament, okay? So this position is important. And not only that, but Joshua is inheriting a position of leadership in a tremendously important time, but also following in one of the most influential leaders in the Old Testament, being Moses. I mean, people who don't know anything about the Bible most of the time know something about Moses. He split the Red Sea, didn't he? So, Scripture refers to Moses as a as a hero of faith. He's respected by the people. He was a mouthpiece, a mouthpiece of God, and he even spoke to God face to face, like a friend talks to a friend, is what the Bible says, and no one else did in that way. And Moses is referred to in Hebrews as a man of faith because he re- he chose to reject the riches of, e- of of Egypt and to suffer with God's people and because of that. He's a man of faith. Okay, so so Joshua is inheriting a position of leadership from someone who is got great respect from the people. And in addition to that, Joshua is looking to complete the fulfillment of God's direction originally given to Abraham. He, says, he said to Abraham, leave your country and go to the land that I will show you. So what's going on here is that Joshua is looking at a tough future ahead of him. Okay, you're going to be a leader in a tough situation with a lot of responsibility and during a difficult time. That's what's going on here. But the thing is that God gives him guidance for how he can have success. And there are a few very important aspects of that guidance that I want to look at. There's actually, there are three key words that I think embody a lot of what's going on here. The the words are strength and courage. Obviously, be strong and courageous. He says that three times. And there's another word that I want to look at in verse 8. In verse 8, read with me. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let me mention here that when it says prosperous and successful, God's not saying that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. You're going to have everything you want. You're going to be rich. You're going to be healthy for the rest of your life. That's not the sort of prosperity and success that God's talking about. He's actually very specifically talking about success in the leadership that God's calling him to. When he says successful, he's talking about being successful and leading the nation into the promised land. Okay, So that's what I mean here. Means here whenever it says, then you'll be prosperous and successful. So, what does Moses, I mean, what does Joshua need to do to be prosperous and successful? Well, he says, meditate on the book of the law day and night. So, let's look at the word meditate, church. Let's actually look at this word in Hebrew. We're going to get nerdy this morning, okay? The Hebrew word for meditate is chaga, and it, it literally means the, the act of thoughtful deliberation with the implication of speaking to oneself. And that just means thinking very carefully about something specific, okay? Actually, most uh, lexicons that I looked at, they use the English synonym muse to describe this word. And to muse just means to be absorbed in thought. That's what the word muse means. And that's what's going on here. He's saying, absorb your mind in the word of God, okay? So this is God's direction to him. So the thing that's happening here is that God is wanting Joshua to make the Lord's instructions integral to who he is and to what he does. Okay? He's saying think of God's word constantly so that you would do them. Okay? So you might be asking why is why is all of this important? We're talking about thinking, right? It's important because these are the specific the specific parameters that God is giving to Joshua for him to succeed in leadership. Be strong, be courageous and think carefully about the things of God, meditate on them, ponder them engulf your mind into the things of God. So I would argue that all three of these these things, strength, courage, and meditation, they're actually states of mind. I would also argue that the strength and courage that Joshua experienced through his leadership was rooted in his time spent meditating. I mean, if you think of the time in Exodus 33, it says that uh, Moses would... Um, enter the tent of meeting, and he would speak to the Lord. That's actually where it says that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face like a friend talks to a friend. The Bible also says that Joshua was with him. The thing is that Joshua was something like a helper to Moses, okay? So Joshua was with him in the tent of meeting, and then whenever Moses left the tent of meeting so that he can go back to his duties as leader, Joshua stayed behind. He stayed in the presence of the Lord. Church, I think that Joshua probably already had a habit of meditation, Okay, the thing is, I'm going to be clear this morning. When I say meditation, I know that we in, in America today we have sometimes a thought that automatically attaches to the word meditation. I'm not talking about emptying your mind so that you could find nirvana. That's not the sort of meditation that I'm talking about here. What meditation means here is thinking intently about the things of God. That's what he says, meditate on the things of God. Think hard about this. Think hard and long about this. But here's the thing. Here's actually the crux of this whole thing. Church, if you only remember one thing I say this morning, remember this. The things that we dwell on are the things that shape our future. This is why, remember that God is wanting Joshua to to make the Lord's instructions integral to who he is and to what he does. And the only way that he could do that is if he thinks about them often, if he embodies that sort of thinking. And the reason for that, I think, is because the things that we think most often about become the things we think most easily about. Okay, remember, like I said, I, when I work long hours in construction, I can't seem to get my mind away from the job site, okay? It's because my mind is so steeped in construction thinking that it's almost like I can't escape it. The things that I think most often about becomes th- become the things that I think most easily about. It's like going to the place of construction of my mind is so easy because my mind is already so steeped in that place. Okay, let me illustrate this for you this morning. Can we bring up that picture, please? Okay, <coughs> there it is. Now, some of you guys are probably thinking to yourself this morning, Joe, do you know that there's a waffle behind you? Yes, I do. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Um, but let, let's think about this this morning, church together. So so it's not exactly the waffle. Look, I have a laser pointer. Can you guys see that? Am I blocking anybody over here? Okay. The thing is that I don't exactly want you to think about the waffle itself, okay? I want you to think about these boxes, that box and that box and that box, okay? It's the boxes I want you to think about. And think of it this way. Think of these boxes as something like places of thought, okay? So think of it this way for me and for my mind, I'm going to let you guys peek into my mind this morning, okay? So keep this a secret. Don't let anybody know what what goes on in my mind. This box right here, I'm going to say that that's my scripture box, okay? Whenever I do my devotions in the morning and I spend time reading scripture or whenever, whenever a pastor is preaching and he says, open up to this book, my mind goes to this scripture box, okay? My mind is in the place of scripture, or at least unless I've been working too many hours and I can't think of scripture whenever I'm reading. But, What should happen is whenever I put my mind in the place of Scripture, my mind is in this box, okay? This one right here, I'm going to say that this is my prayer box. Whenever um, I spend time in the morning reading my Bible, I also spend time after that praying, okay? There are certain prayer needs that that I pray for every morning and certain things that I want the Lord to do. Whenever I go into the place of prayer in my mind, I enter the prayer box, okay? This morning when we prayed, we were in the prayer box that tonight... Whenever we come for prayer and worship, we will be partly in the prayer box and partly in the worship box, which, by the way, this right here is my worship box. Whenever I, this morning when we were worshiping the Lord, can you guess where I was? I was in the worship box. Sometimes I'll come over here and I'll spend time with the Lord by myself and I'll worship and I'll be in that very same box. Okay, here's the thing. There's more to this, okay? This right here, let's say that this is a church box, Whenever I do anything church-related, whenever I'm doing stuff with the body of Christ, I'm in the church box. i got a fellowship box over here. This is whenever I'm hanging out with the body of Christ, whether it be in church or somewhere else, I'm in my fellowship box, and I'm hanging out with the youth students. I'm in my fellowship box, okay? Here's a secret, okay? Don't tell anybody this. This right here, this box secretly, it doesn't have anything in it, okay? The thing is that sometimes I don't think about anything, Okay? It's is hard because sometimes I guess it looks like I'm thinking about something really intently. And then somebody will ask me, Joe, what are you thinking about? And I say, nothing. And like, yeah, okay, no, but like what are you thinking about? <laughs> and then I start to panic. I'm like I, I'm not thinking about anything. But now I feel like I have to make something up and tell you something. Because, and then now the longer I take, the more you realize I'm making something up. And now it's, it's just awkward, okay? So I've got, a, I've got a nothing box. Look, I've got another one over here. This is my, I'm going to say that that one right there is my work box. When I'm swinging a hammer, I'm in my work box, okay? That's where my mind is at, okay? I've got a a hobby box. Whenever I'm woodworking, whenever I'm doing something that's a hobby, I'm in my hobby box, okay? I've got an entertainment box right here. Whenever I'm uh, playing video games, whenever I'm watching movies, I'm in my entertainment box, okay? It ain't nothing else in, in my world whenever I'm in my entertainment box, okay? Now here's the thing that If I spend a lot of time into any one of these boxes, then that thinking will start to flood all of the other boxes. Whenever I work 80 hours a week, this box starts to get bigger, and it begins to flood into all the other boxes, okay? But here's the thing. I'm going to get real serious here, church. This box right here, I'm going to say that this is a depression box. I think most of us probably know what it's like to be in that box. Okay, I'm gonna say this one right here is a self pity box. Whenever I can't seem to think of anyone besides myself, that's a box that I'm in. I've got another one here. Look, this is my anxiety box, or my maybe my fear box is a better word. Whenever I'm worried that the Lord won't follow through with the things that He says He would. Whenever I'm worried of my, I'm worried for my future and that the Lord won't actually follow through. I'm I'm in my fear box. I'm like, this box is beginning to flood, you know what I mean? And the list goes on, okay? I know that this isn't like an exhaustive list. I know some of you guys probably already counted all these boxes and like, so this is the total number of things that Joe ever thinks about. <laughs> the list goes on, church, and you guys have boxes that I don't have and probably vice versa. But now you're like, okay, Joe, so what is it, what do these waffle boxes of thought have to do with Scripture or with Joshua or with me? Well, a lot because, like I said, Scripture has a lot to say about our thought life. It has a lot to say about the waffle boxes. Here's the thing is that the Lord wanted Joshua to spend a significant amount of time in the Scripture box. It's as if he was saying, spend time in this box and let this box begin to flood over into all the other ones. And let all of your thinking be engrossed in the Scripture box. Let your character be shaped by the Scripture box, the Bible box. This is what it means to be in the in the box, church, allowing this sort of thinking to flood your mind. So, church, my question for you today is, which box do you spend the most time in? Because those are the boxes that will influence your thinking the most. The things that we think about most often become the things we think about most easily. Here's the thing, church, that if we spend all of our time in the anxiety or in the self-pity or in the depression box, And thinking in a depressed way will become easier, and it will feel more natural. If we spend too much time there, it might even begin to feel right. And that's an issue because that's not the Lord's will for your life. It's not what the Lord wants for your life. It must be allergy season, church, because I think I'm having an allergic reaction to something. But that's an issue because if we develop the thinking that says I'm going to push the Lord's will for my life out of the way and steep myself in this depression box, then a bunch of bad things are happening. Because we're thinking in a depressed way, we're also learning to push God's will out of the way so that we could stay there. But the thing is that if we spend all of our time in the worship box, if we spend our time in this scripture box or in the fellowship box, in the church box, then thinking in ways that are wholesome and inspired by God become easier and more natural. I would say that this is what makes a sharp Christian. I would also say that this is how Joshua became successful in the area of leadership that God called him to. And I think that that's definitely true because God gives him an if-then statement. He says, if you meditate, then you will be successful. Well, the implication there is that if you don't meditate, then you won't be successful. That tells us, okay, so the thing is that Joshua did succeed in the areas of leadership that the Lord called him to. What does that tell me? That tells me that he meditated. He thought about the things of the Lord. His character was shaped by Scripture. He spent time thinking about the things of God. Now, there's something important happening here, church, as Joshua spends time in meditation. I think that the Lord, I think that Joshua is developing a habit of thinking in a God-centered way. And by doing this, it becomes easier and more natural for him. Church, when we think in a God-centered way, thinking in a God-centered way becomes easier and more natural. The longer we spend in the scripture box the easier it is to come back to that box now you might you might struggle and you might say yeah but joe i struggle to read okay i'm not a, i'm not a very good reader and i struggle to worship because every time i get into the place of worship my mind wants to travel off somewhere else or you might say yeah but i struggle to pray because whenever i get into the place of prayer my, my i'm just so easily distracted Here's the thing that I understand, but these are disciplines, okay, which means if you just get into that place and work at it, you'll learn to get better at it. You might say, well, it's hard to worship. Well, start to worship. You'll learn to worship if you do it. You might say, well, I struggle to read scripture. Start reading. You'll get better. I am not a good reader. Trust me. Naturally, I'm not a good reader. And now I'm, I'm suddenly a college student and I spend like a lot of time reading. Okay, I've I'm learning to read because I'm doing it. Okay. Same thing is happening with scripture. Okay, so here's here's the thing, you can take this down. I appreciate it, Catherine. Um by the way, guys, we have some amazing A V people back there. Just so you guys know, nothing ever goes wrong with the electronics because those people are amazing. Okay. If you see any of those people after church, go ahead and give them a high five and tell them that they're awesome. Maybe even give them a hug. Okay. So here's the thing, church, is that here's the thing about Joshua's situation, that God doesn't just call him to thinking, he calls him to action, right? God is calling him to leadership, he's calling him to strength, and he's calling him to courage, right? But I think that these things begin with thought, okay? Let's look at verses 6 and 7, and then verse 9. Verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. It's as if God is saying, put your mind in the box of strength and not in the box of fear. Put your mind in the box of courage and not in the box of discouragement. Lord's giving him parameters and directions for how to think and God repeats this to Joshua three times so I think it demands some serious attention so you might ask well what exactly does God mean when he says be strong and courageous well church let's get nerdy this morning and look at these words more closely in Hebrew um so I'm going to look at these words in Hebrew but let me plug in real quick this morning church that um when we, when either me or when pastor, when we look directly at the Hebrew or directly at the Greek, we're not trying to imply that the English is not trustworthy, okay? By all means, if you only know English, you've got the capacity to understand scripture in a tremendous and incredible way, enough to be an incredible Christian. You do not need to know Hebrew or Greek to know the Bible, okay? The only reason that we look at the Hebrew or the Greek is because it offers another level of clarity. In this case, we're going to be able to look at this and say this is exactly what the Hebrew mind thought about when they heard these words. Okay, that's not to say that we can't understand. It just offers another level of clarity, okay? So the word for strength that's used here is chazak, okay? And it it could be translated to strong, obviously, that's what we have, or hard, or to harden. Actually, in, in Exodus 4, whenever God says to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. The word for harden is chazak. Okay, so there's an implication there that it's not just strength, but there's a sort of firmness that comes with this word. Okay, also the name Hezekiah, chazakiah, it it literally means Yahweh is my strength. Okay, and and there's a lexicon uh, author who says that this could often be translated as internal strength of character. Okay, that's the sort of strength, firm internal strength of character that's being implied here. Okay, and the, the Hebrew word for courageous is ametz. And it means most often to persist or to determine. Okay, so there's a sort of resolve and determination that comes with this word, okay? It's like don't let opposition displace you. Opposition will come to throw out your thoughts and to redirect your thoughts, but don't let that displace you. Be courageous. Okay, so that's what's, that's what's being driven at here. The Lord is saying to Joshua, harden yourself. Have some internal strength because this will be tough. God also invites him to be persistent in that thinking. So these are the actions that God is calling Joshua to, but I think that these are very closely tied to a certain way of thinking. Like, yeah, strength of character is seen in our actions, but it begins in our thought. The thing is that for Joshua to be a man who is strong and courageous, he needed to think like a man who was strong and courageous. Joshua needed to be the director of his thoughts. Okay, He could not allow circumstances or environment or his past or other people to decide his thoughts for him. He needed to be determined and disciplined in his thinking if he wanted to succeed in the leadership that God was calling him to. Okay, there's this principle in finances. I'm going to make a shift on you real quick. I know you guys didn't think you were going to get a financial lesson this morning, did you? There's this principle in finances. It goes something like this. If you don't control where your money goes, your money will go somewhere you don't want it to go. Okay, some of you guys are like, yeah, that's how I ended up in a boat in my front yard. Didn't want my money to go there, but now it's all we got. And then the other people are like, yeah, well, this is how I have all these random things in my house that nobody needs to become my Money just went off to somewhere that I never thought it would have gone off to. The thing is that if you don't control your money, it'll end up somewhere that you didn't want it to go. I would say that the this principle works with our thinking as well. If we don't control the direction of our thoughts, we will end up, they will end up in a place that we don't want them. Church, if we don't choose to be in the right boxes we will end up in the wrong ones. If we don't choose worship, depression is often the alternative. If we don't pray for others, self-pity is not far away. If we don't choose strength, fear will take its place. If we don't choose courage, discouragement is right there. Church, we have the ability to determine the path that our thoughts take. The thing is that when I'm having a conversation with somebody, and my mind goes off to something I need to do. I have the power to reel my thoughts back in and to re-engage into that conversation because I guess people are important, you know? You see, church, this is important because the more time we spend thinking about something, the easier it is to think about that thing. Church, let me ask, have you been spending too much time in the place of depression? Or do you spend too much time thinking about yourself? I heard a psychologist say one time that the best way to be filled with anxiety is to think about your problems all the time, okay? I think the best way to rid ourselves of anxiety is to begin to consider other people. Church, how much time do we spend thinking of other people, praying for other people? How much time do we spend in the fellowship box, in the church box? How much time do we spend thinking of our church family and praying for one another? How much time do we spend working for the benefit of other people and giving of ourselves so that others could be blessed? How much time do we spend doing that? Church, how how much time do we give to the church? Just a minute ago, we heard about all these volunteer needs. How much of ourselves are we giving? And what I mean is that are we looking to be a part of God's kingdom and involved in his mission? Or do we spend too much time thinking of ourselves? Where is our mind, church? Pastor said something um, a few weeks ago that struck me. He was preaching out of First Thessalonians. And and in First Thessalonians, Paul opens up his letter and he says something like this. We've been thinking about you and praying for you constantly. Okay. So the thing is that when it came time for Paul to minister to the Thessalonians, it came more naturally for him because he was already constantly in prayer and in thought for him. His mind was already in that place. Paul has been spending time in the prayer box on behalf of the Thessalonians. Okay, He knew what to say because he had already been thinking about it. He had already given the Lord opportunity to speak to him. Like, Isn't it good that Paul didn't just pop into Thessalonica not having thought about them at all and just got there and expected to give something? I don't think it would have worked that way. Paul knew just what to say because he had already been thinking about it and praying for them. And fortunately, we're blessed by this because we have Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We are blessed by Paul's foresight in prayer. We are blessed by the amount of time that Paul spent in the prayer box, thinking about the Thessalonians, thinking of how they could be ministered to. Church, the things that we dwell on are the things that shape our future. I'll bet you church, that if you if we begin praying fervently for the lost, the odds are that you will feel the Lord's prompting to action. It's like if you consider what what Jesus said to his disciples, sorry, let me backtrack if we pray for the lost, we will feel compelled to reach out to them, okay, and the reason for that is because. Our play, our mind will already be in the place of knowing that the, the lost need to be found, you know? It's like I've been thinking constantly about how badly people need to know about Jesus, so I'm more inclined to respond in action. Church, my question is, what have we been thinking about lately? I'll bet you that if you begin to pray for someone in particular, the odds are that the Lord will give you something to say to that person when the time comes, or at least you will have thought about it. You'll be prepared for, how, for what to say or for how to bless someone if we're spending time in thought about that person or spending time in prayer about that person, okay? So there's something that Jesus said to his disciples. He said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray that the Lord would send more workers. By the way, Jesus is not actually talking about farming specifically here. He's talking about the harvest of people. Church, I'll bet you that if we started praying intently for the Lord to raise up more workers, we would feel compelled to invest ourselves. Some of you guys are like, that's exactly why I don't pray for the Lord. The thing is that we would be constantly thinking about what could be done for God's kingdom, and we would give him opportunity to speak to us in those times. Church, the more we think about God's will being done, the more you want to see it happen. Where is our mind, church? Let me ask, is our mind so steeped into entertainment that there's no room for anything else? Has the, entertainment blo- has the entertainment box flooded over into every other box? Church, have we thought so much about how hard our lives are that we can't consider the lives of anyone else? Or have we allowed ourselves to become so depressed that we can't see past it? I mean, imagine this. Imagine if Joshua had not spent time meditating on the book of the law. He would not have fulfilled the leadership of uh, the calling of leadership the Lord had on his life. Like, what would the nation of Israel be like if Joshua hadn't meditated on the word of God? What would the nation be like if Joshua hadn't led the nation to march around Jericho for seven days before the walls fell down? What would it be like if Joshua's mind weren't steeped in scripture? Do you think that he would have taken the lead to overthrow the 31 kings that he did? Do you think that Joshua would have come to the end of his life and in courage said to the nation of Israel, choose today who you will serve, but as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Which I I think is a very courageous statement. I think that Joshua was filled with courage because his mind was steeped in scripture. church, who would Joshua be if he had meditated on the things of the Lord? My challenge to us is that we need to be the kind of people who think intently and often about the things of God. We can get the worship team up here. I'm coming near to the end of the message, church. Now you might say, Joe, I can't. You might be saying, okay, I get it, but Controlling my thoughts is an overwhelming task, and they always end up in a bad place. You might say, morning and night, I cannot get away from thoughts of depression. Morning and night, I cannot get away from the thoughts of anxiety or thoughts of how difficult things are. If that's you, then I understand. You might say, okay, I get it. I shouldn't have anxiety. I should get out of the box. But it's not quite so simple as to just walk out of that box and go somewhere else. Well, let's consider... God's words to Joshua in verse 9. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Church, this is not the first time in Scripture that God issues a difficult command and then says, I will be with you. If you consider the Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember this, he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, church, God is in the business of giving us difficult things to do, but he is not in the business of abandoning us to do them. He will challenge us. He will challenge our thinking, but he will not abandon us to figure it out on our own. I would imagine that Joshua probably took a lot of comfort in hearing this. The future is tough, yes, but the Lord is with you. It's the same for us today as Christians. We are challenged to do difficult things. We are, tra- we are challenged to control our thinking, to direct our thoughts. But the thing is that the Lord has not abandoned us to figure it out. He is with us and he can offer you strength. Church, if you feel like you lack the strength, the Lord is here to strengthen you, okay? The body is here to strengthen you. So, church, I'm asking you today, where is your mind? I want, I'm i coming to a close, but I want to, there's actually someone who I want to commend. I don't, I don't see her, but Miss Georgia, we're going on a mission trip uh, to Peru here pretty soon. Miss Georgia is not coming on that mission trip with us, but she's been involved in every single thing that we've done, and she's been in prayer on behalf of the mission team. Okay, Miss Georgia is fully invested. Her mind is in the place of prayer on behalf of the mission team. Her mi- she's been steeped in prayer and steeped in scripture on behalf of the mission team, and, and I think that she's an example of, wh- of how we can actually follow through with this. If you're not coming on the mission trip with us, okay, but is your mind steeped in, in prayer on behalf of the team? If you can't come, then okay, it's understandable, but where is your mind on behalf of all those things? Are you indifferent you careless? Or do you want to see the Lord really do a work through our church? Church, the things that we dwell on are the things that shape our future. And the reason for this is because the things we think most The things that we think about most often become the things that we think about most easily. Church, let me ask you, have you been been spending too much time in the depression box? Have you been thinking only about yourself? Have you allowed fear and anxiety to keep you from seeking the Lord as the king of your life? Or is it the case that you spend time thinking intently about the things of God, reading scripture, praying, studying, worshiping, Church, my advice is that we allow this thinking to just infect our mind. Spend time in these places and allow your mind to be transformed by Scripture. That's what Paul tells us would happen. Church, the boxes that we choose to stay in are the boxes that will influence our thinking the most. Which box do you stay in, church? Yes, it's hard. I agree but the Lord is with us. Okay, we're going to move into a, a time of prayer this morning, in church, and we're going to open the altars, and I'm going to give a, a few specific parameters for, for the altar call if you want to come up and pray. If you need the Lord's help in being in control of your thoughts, then this altar is open for you, okay? If you know that you need to think less about something bad and more about something good, then this altar is open for you. If you feel that you need to begin thinking less about yourself and more about other people, then this altar is open for you, okay? Or if there's something that, you've, that you need to pray about that has nothing to do with the message, this altar is open for you. Come and pray, church. I think that there's something valuable that happens when we actually step out of our seat and say, yes, I'm going to go after the Lord and ask his help to help me to think in a way that's sound and scriptural and integral. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll open up these altars. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, and thank you so much for your love. And Lord, thank you for giving us direction for how we can think. Lord, thank you for the challenge that you give us to think in a certain way. Lord, thank you for allowing us to struggle through this and teaching us every step of the way, being with us every step of the way. Lord, thank you for never abandoning us, for never leaving us alone, for never abandoning us and saying, well, you can figure it out, but you're with us, Lord. So thank you for being with us and help us to know that. Lord, help us to think in the way that Christians ought to. In Jesus' name. Churches that, um, if you really do struggle with uh, uh, depression and anxiety and and thoughts like this, and you feel like that they might even be self-destructive, then I, I ask you to talk to somebody about it. Um, because there really is strength that could be found in, in the body. Um, if you think of Joshua as something like God's uh, mouthpiece to the nation of Israel, I think that the, the church is something like God's mouthpiece to the world. Okay? So God uses the church. Okay? And he could use the church to strengthen you. So church, if you if you struggle with that kind of thing, then I ask you to talk to somebody about it and be open about it. Okay? And on the, on the other side of that, if you're like, oh, I've, n- I've not struggled with any of those things. And my mind has never gone to a place like that. And if that's the case, then I want to ask and I want to challenge you. Is your mind steeped in the place of Scripture? Church, my question for us today is where is your mind? Because that is where your future is.